0: This is Gotham TV Podcast, episode 107, about Gotham, A Dark Knight, season 4, episode 5, The Blade's Path.
1: This is Victoria Cartagena. I play Renee Montoya on Gotham.
2: Hey, this is Andrew Stewart-Jones. I play Christmas Allen on Gotham. This is Robin Lloyd-Taylor.
1: I'm David Mazouz. Hey, Gotham TV Podcast listeners. This is Maggie Gia, otherwise known as Poison Ivy. This
0: is Drew Powell, and you're listening to Gotham TV Podcast. That's right, Drew Powell, you are listening to Gotham TV Podcast. We're here to talk about episode five of season four of Gotham, The Blade's Path. A big episode for Drew Powell.
2: That's right, a massive episode for the former Butch Gilzean, who has risen from the swampy, toxic, sludgy uh, mess that is Slaughter Swamp. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, it's great that um, he is
0: back as Solomon Grundy. Absolutely, and if you haven't guessed, this is our spoiler-filled podcast about this episode of Gotham. Uh, I'm one of your hosts, Derek. I am your other host, John. It's great to be back for another episode of Gotham. A uh, quick bit of news up front. Uh, we are going to be a little bit late for next week's episode because it's my co-host's 40th birthday next week. Happy birthday, John, for next week.
2: Thank you. Uh, life begins at 40, as they say, so yes. let's hope. Um, yes, it does. Not that life has passed me by up till this point. But, <laughs> um, yeah, it's great to be hitting the sweet spot of life as we move forward. Um, <laughs> might be 40, but forever... Uh, 18 to early 20s, I think. I think so. And of course, it's a big birthday celebration for my co-host today. Uh, Derek is... Well, 41. Thanks,
0: John. Yes. <laughs> yes, I am. Yeah, I, I did the big 4 last year. But we will be travelling back to Dublin and Ireland for uh, John's birthday celebration, which means we won't be recording our podcast about Gotham until uh, next Monday after the episode airs. So uh, if you want to get in your thoughts, just make sure you email us at feedback at com. Have a couple of extra days to get them in uh, for next week's episode. And make sure that you subscribe to the podcast. You can go through our link for Apple Podcasts at the website. Just go to GothamTVPodcast.com loads of links up there and this week we have gone finally on to play uh, the google service in the us so if you listen to your podcast through google play and we're wondering where we were we have finally 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 have our podcast up on there so just search for gotham tv podcast on there or go to the website there's links to all of the ways you can subscribe to the podcast but without further ado i think it's time to get into the episode john Absolutely. This episode was directed by Scott White. He's done four episodes before of the show. He did uh, Season of the Goat, Prisoners, Anything for You, and Red Queen. Uh, I think one of those was one of our lowest-rated episodes, and one of them, one of the highest. Uh, season one, episode seven, Season of the Goat, yeah, one of the I excellent episodes of Gotham, really, really good. Uh, it was written by Chee Sun, uh, who did Blood Rush and Light the Wick. And he gets another great intro for a character in this episode. I think he's done a great job.
2: Yeah, definitely. It was really good to see Solomon Grundy get some good quality screen time. And to be honest, I think the foil with Enigma, absolutely fantastic. It's perfect. Yeah, It was really, really good that they sort of bombed with that commonality about their identity and who they are and where they're from.
0: Just the idea of having those two characters together just really works for me. I really enjoyed it. Certainly given their history, of course, as well. Yeah. So, John, do you want to tell us what they gave us with your synopsis for the episode? Sure, it's a Monday,
2: and the familiar face of Butch Gilzean rises from Slaughter Swamp, but it is reborn in the toxic experimental sludge of Indian Hill as Solomon Grundy. With questions raging in his mind about who he is, where he came from, and what he is doing, he makes his way back to Gotham to seek answers. Back in the city, Enigma, still trying to regain his intellect, comes face to face with the newly formed Gilzean Gold Grundy and the pair form an unlikely partnership to discover their past identities. Meanwhile, the game of cat and mouse continues between Sophia Falcone and the Penguin as she is forced to take urgent action to protect her plan to restore the Falcone name and her own life by appealing to Penguin's gut, mother love and vulnerable side. Elsewhere in Gotham, a more sinister game of mousetrap unfolds between Raish al Ghul and Bruce Wayne. The death of Alex lingers heavy over Gotham, infiltrating Wayne Manor as Bruce continues to blame himself and seethe with revenge towards Raish al Ghul. But with Raish locked away in Blackgate and the power of the dagger securely in Bruce's possession, all appears to be under control. However, the master of strategy and manipulation, Ra's al Ghul continues to taunt Bruce from behind his bars, A series of planned events forces a revengeful Bruce to kill and end Raisha's life with the knife of Balashi. But only after he has bestowed a mysterious gift to Barbara Keane.
0: Yes, the man with more names than anybody else in Gotham has got a new name. Takes us on to our first case note. Rest in peace, Butch Gilzine, Cyrus Gold, whoever the hell you are. I love these two guys that are uh, pushing Butch Gilzine into Slaughter Swamp. Well done for Seishun, the writer of this episode, for getting the actual origin story of Cyrus Gold turning into Solomon Grundy from the comic books. Uh, This is pretty much the origin story. It's, uh, It's about a former mobster who's been killed and is poured into the Slaughter Swamp and then rises out of the swamp as... Solomon Grundy, so uh, very cool that they've been able to translate this to the to the show. Interestingly, I was reading up about Solomon Grundy, and the character was created in 1944, uh, not as a villain for Batman. Um, he was a, a character that was created in the uh, the older comic books prior to Batman. So I like this idea that he has he has his creation story during the time of Gotham, while Batman is not in existence. It's a great idea.
2: Yeah, really, really good idea. I mean. I certainly wouldn't want to be uh, using Gotham health insurance, Um, (laughs) to be honest, if, yeah, we need to get a few beds for you, so they go and chuck you into a swamp somewhere upstate. Uh, Yeah, love that whole, I mean, it was just a nice comedy gold, really. Um, Comedy Cyrus gold, in fact, (laughs) Um, to be honest, between uh, the two attendants from the hospital.
0: I love that they're going to take him upstate like they do with dogs, you know, it's like, um, yeah, poor little Timmy, he's not doing very well, (laughs) we're just going to have to send him up You know, to the vest. (laughs) You know, that's what it sounds like.
2: And of course, isn't it great that Gotham's health insurance is matched only by its environmental protection? (laughs) Um, Thank goodness that we have, um, you know, Indian Hill uh, gunk, sludge, toxic waste, experimental sort of fluids all being uh, dumped into Slaughter Swamp. Uh, Because then we get the arrival of Solomon Grundy, Mm. uh, which is like really creepy. And I don't know whether that's because he's got bleach blonde hair. (laughs) <laughs> I suspect it's the it's the toxic experimental sludge uh, that's kind of bleached it, and his body, yeah, he's... and his body as well. But uh, it's a great um, it's a great look. I think I would like to see him a bit dirtier. He seemed mm. quite clean, but I suppose he was coming out of water. Yeah. But um, yeah, we've heard he's spending a lot of time in makeup, having all the prosthetic stuff applied. Uh, but it looks a really good luck for solomon grundy and then i love the interaction with the travelers who are singing away to the gramophone and doing a bit of a jig and um, but a bit of a creepy jig as well
0: yeah it is really strange like the the actual tune solomon grundy is a kid's nursery rhyme uh, and they're using an old cylindrical phonograph. It's not even a gramophone. It's actually like this really, really old technology. So it's like as if, well, we only have one song, which is Solomon Grundy to play on this thing. So we'll just play it and sing along drunk in the, in the swamp. I just really like it. A uh, nice little touch there with Indian Hill coming back. Even though we don't have a Professor Strange in here, his legacy lives on in the creation of the villains of Gotham. It's quite, quite a nice nice touch. Yeah, nice little touch. But yeah, I really liked the creepy little song uh, of the kids singing the Solomon Grundy theme is quite cool. Um, but yes, the other part of this section is really his relationship with Ed in the episode. It's really cool. Is it, is it Nick Grundy? Would that be the, the Nick shipper Grundy. name? Maybe. Maybe,
2: yeah, absolutely. I I thought this was really cool to have these two kind of hook up you know both of them have got identity issues Mm -hmm. uh, at the moment and of course there's the past between Ed and uh Butch and I I love the way that Ed is really trying to figure out whether he truly does remember but in the end is really making um Butch's new transformation as Grundy really work for him by uh saying that they were the best of friends (laughs) Um, you know and it's really good seeing them kind of hook up in this way um and it, it was a nice touch where Ed puts out uh, the fire that's burning on, on Butch's newly um, formed hand. Yeah, uh, yeah. He has regenerative properties here. Yeah, yeah. And the, his hand is back. No the, longer is it that uh, clunking metal appendage.
0: Yeah, they do even call it out. Ed, Ed's wondering what happened to his hand. How did he grow up back? And then I do like that a couple of minutes later, his hand is on fire. Uh, you know, it's like it's like he will never be able to use that hand properly. You know, it's really cool. Um, but yes, they, uh, they, they're working together throughout this episode. Some nice scenes between the two of them. And yeah, as I say, the interplay between these two characters. I couldn't think of a better choice in Gotham to have working with... Um, Solomon Grundy, this new character, than Ed. I just think they're the idea of the two of them playing off each other, especially because Ed genuinely hates Butch Gilsey and he just hates his his type of character. Uh, and I love that they have to kind of work together to get to get it going.
2: Absolutely, and of course, in fact, him becoming Grundy has made um, Butch in a way, or or now Solomon Grundy he he's even slower than he than he was before as ed perceived him yeah. but i i like the fact here that you know it, it's bouncing off that idea of being clever or 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 not clever in, in a sense or or a bit sort of slow to grasp things yeah. because ed is dealing with that himself and i think that's just a really nice way of doing it and of course there's some really just good comedy moments um, in, in this i thought really as yeah. well i thought you know when Grundy has Ed sort of uh, by the collar, um, holding him up and kind of threatening him. I just thought uh, Corey Michael Smith played that really, really well. Yeah,
0: and I love I love uh, Solomon knocking him out and uh, and going man talk too much. <laughs> That's a nice little <laughs> nice little moment. Uh, yeah, and they're off to Fight Club at the end of the episode, so uh, gonna see a lot more of these two characters together. Loved the choice of uh, "I want to be your dog" by um, by the Stooges Iggy Pop and the Stooges uh, as they walk into the Fight Club because effectively. Grundy is turning into Ed's dog. He's basically becoming his pest to earn money for him so he can get his power back in Gotham. So a really nice choice of music in there. Uh John, case note two. Yeah, Jim and Harvey are on the the outs. It's really
2: becoming evident that Penguin's grip is tightening on Gotham. Yeah. Uh, even though Penguin's not happy with the the stats coming back from Mr. Penn, mm-hmm. um, he is um, you know, Jim and Harvey really now are realizing that all of Jim's arrested villains because they have this license from Penguin um, are just being re-released back into Gotham. He, he's making no impact at all. The commissioner is forcing Harvey to effectively pardon them and release them from, from prison yeah. and from custody. So it's, it's putting a strain on Jim and Harvey's relationship as well. And I think that scene in the precinct between Jim and Harvey... Was really really great, and um, it it really kind of seemed to put a rift between the two of them in, in a really meaningful way. And I think it's sort of you know it's coming out of that that conversation earlier in the season where Harvey has previously told Jim that you know there will be moments when I have to say no. Harvey Bullock is doing his job. And that's what he has to shout to Jim, that there's nothing he can do.
0: Yeah, I think it's really important to revisit this, uh, this idea of the licensing of the Penguin isn't going away. It, it, I know it's a very short scene in the episode between the two of them, but it is a good scene. And it is important to keep this idea that uh, Jim doesn't have Harvey as his partner anymore. He's reporting to him and Harvey's doing things that Jim would never do. Uh, Jim would never put these people back on the street, they have committed a crime, despite be, having a license from uh, from the mayor of Gotham, or from Penguin, excuse me. Um, I always forget that he's not mayor anymore, but uh, but yes, um, just a very quick scene. I think we can move on to Case Note 3, which is the other big moment of the episode. Obviously. Oh, big,
2: big, yeah. Bruce goes after Ra's al Ghul. Mm. Yeah, I really enjoyed all of this because... It really proves Rache's manipulation and, and and his his cunning uh, for putting himself in the right place at the right time by really planning his moves against his foes. Yeah, and um, you know, and we find out that actually him being arrested is all part of the plan. He even just because of what he does. To Alex, you know, it's great that that kind of comes flooding into this episode as well. That it's playing on Bruce's mind. It's causing him to have real sharp conversations with Alfred. You know, it's affecting their relationship, and it it, it certainly leads to this huge um, aspect of the batverse about whether uh, the Batman or Bruce Wayne kills people. Mm-hmm. And it, it is really great that Rachel al Ghul has, has provided this environment where he can call upon Bruce to come uh, in order to do his bidding purely through manipulating his, his surroundings and, and his relationships. It's really, really a great idea. And I think it is Really important that, you know, Rachel Gould is this kind of person. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's great that that's coming through in Gotham.
0: Yeah, and it does explain his smile at the end of last episode when he was put into Blackgate Prison. So the whole reason he's happy about that is because he's in control of Blackgate and he seems to have a bunker underneath Blackgate Prison where uh, he's able to take Bruce down to. So uh, obviously has a lot of knowledge of the place. Um, the idea of Bruce killing or Batman killing has come up many times in the show before. I like that it starts out here in this episode with Alfred saying you must stick to your vow, you have to stick to your vow. And then it ends the episode with Jim saying to him, just because you know you can doesn't mean you're going to do it in the future. So it still maintains that idea that Batman doesn't kill. But remember, Bruce isn't Batman yet. So um, so Bruce has the possibility here that he's still able to kill before he becomes Batman. But did he kill him? That's my, that's my big question. They kind of have a couple of ways out of this. This other piece we're probably going to talk about in a minute, but this transfer of his life force to Bar- Barbara, possibly, uh, through the um, through the jail cell that he's in in Blackgate uh, potentially he was already dead is a way that could explain it potentially the fact that he's been alive or around for 2000 years means he's dead and the fact that he fell to the ground and kind of melted like in Indiana Jones does that yeah, mean that, very cool. does that mean that Bruce is really a murderer here or I don't know he was kind of forced into it by Ray. She was kind of saying to him take away the pain uh, yeah. more than anything else
2: and as well there's always the Lazarus pit as well but it it's the significance of the dagger and and whether that means that he can't use the Lazarus pit anymore and yeah. hence why there has been some kind of um transfer of yeah as you say his life force or power to Barbara his gift to her which he he tells her you will understand what it means uh in, in, in the, the, the days, the weeks to come, you know, yeah. uh, really, really
0: good. Yeah, and the other interesting point about it is, as we've seen from some of the comic books and and from uh, Arrow did it on their show with, with Ra's al Ghul, the person that kills Raish becomes the next Ra's al Ghul or the next leader of uh, the League of Assassins. Um, so if Barbara's the one that kill, kills him, that means she's the new leader of the League of Assassins. If Bruce killed him, then technically he should become the new leader so it'd be interesting to see how that plays out in Gotham whether they go down that path because that was something that became quite central to Arrow's storyline with people killing Ra's al Ghul over and over again or killing the Ra's over and over again so definitely it'd be interesting to see how that plays I out. mean
2: that whole um scene down in the kind of catacombs of Blackgate prison between Ra's and Bruce as well was just really good you know Bruce knows that he can manipulate him and he, you know, he's standing back from doing Ra's bidding and, and killing him. But I just loved how it turned with Alexander Sadiq, where he says, well, if you don't kill me, then I won't do anything. And you'll grow up and you'll become a, a white knight and you will um, have a family and you will have kids. And just the malevolent turn that he puts on Raisha al Ghul here and says, and then I will come for you and I will kill everyone you love uh, and who is close to you. I just thought it was absolutely fantastic. Such a great scene between these mm-hmm. um, the, these two actors. And of course, you know, leading to to Bruce stabbing him and obviously Indiana Jones uh, melting, melting <laughs> Rachel al Ghul, which was really good. Um, and I do have to say, though, a great comedy <laughs> moment <laughs> as uh, Jim and Alfred round the corner down in the catacombs, and uh, Raisha's sort of skeletal uh, jaw just drops open <laughs> in, in huge surprise. Um, I have to say, I laughed and laughed and laughed was at hilarious. the comic timing yeah. of the jaw drop from Ra's Al Ghouls' uh, dead skeleton. It was—it um, was like as
0: if they were going. <laughs> we're all really surprised about this, even the skeleton on the ground. Yeah, absolutely,
2: <laughs> it was like, oh my god, Bruce has just killed. Even Racha's shocked at that in death. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> it's really, really funny. Um But um, it's such a shame <laughs> to
0: lose Alexander Sadiq from the show. Like he is one of he's been such a great presence on the show for the last few episodes. Uh, I was really hoping that we'd see him more on the show and that's kinda why I think he's not dead. Yeah, yeah. I was gonna
2: say, have we have we really lost Alexander Sadiq from the show? I suspect Rachel al Ghul will return.
0: I believe so too. Uh, one of the, the big moments that we didn't really talk about in this whole section of Bruce going after Rachel is obviously Jim and Alfred joining up and, and becoming again an unstoppable force. Love when these two characters get together. They're really, really cool. Uh, the, the the initial line is pretty much my line of the week. When Alfred turns up to the GCPD and says to Jim, right, we're going to Blackgate and you can tell me all the ways that uh, I failed the child later And Jim goes, I will, which I love that little (laughs) touch because it's a real Jim Gordon, the man who knows everything and will always tell you when you're wrong, even though what he does is wrong so often. But it's a real perfect way of describing Jim Gordon.
2: Well, he's got plenty of practice with the trail of uh, abandoned lovers uh, behind him, I suppose. Um, Well, I have to say my moment of the week was where they are getting frisked um, at Blackgate Prison and... Alfred seems to be like the Terminator where he has got knuckle dusters, multiple guns, knives, and so on. And I must say, do you want to check my undercrackers? Is quite frankly one of the funniest lines ever. Uh, And delivered in that Cockney um, sort of accent, I think is absolutely hilarious. Mm -hmm. How the two of them did not burst out laughing. And I'm sure that they did. So I'd love to know how many takes it took for them to do that. And just as they walk away, uh, Jim is going, undercrackers? Is that what we're calling them? It's (laughs) kind of like really, really good. I wonder whether that was uh, improv in some way. It was just really, really good. And it felt like something that Alfred would say. I absolutely thought this was so, so funny.
0: Well, you'd be happy to know we have something in the feedback later on that does refer to the Undercrackers again. Speaking of references, this episode does reference the episode that Scott White uh, directed before. Prisoners don't really like to be reminded of that episode, but I do like the idea that, obviously, Jim has had a stay in Blackgate before, so he does know the layout of the place. He knows the fact that all of these guards aren't real guards before anybody else does because he realises that these aren't the guys that worked with him. And they had the same names as the guards, so they effectively took the badges and probably killed the guards and replaced them on the orders of Rachel Gould. So nice use of the history of Gotham of some of the previous episodes. I like when they use something from the past and bring it back in an interesting way like they did there.
2: Yeah, definitely. And there was a great little fight sequence there between Alfred and Jim and the guards. And I have to say, I absolutely loved the headshot that but Alfred gave to yeah. one of the guards. Uh, really... Just a nice little sequence of manoeuvres where he's using uh, one of the guns from the guards, you know, using the guard as a shield whilst firing around, finally gets it, you know. And this is what I love because it always shows Alfred's determination to to go through the crowd, to push through the crowd, anything that is between him and Bruce. Mm -hmm. And he is really ruthless at, at getting to Bruce. Um, And you see it again here where he shoots the prison guard through the head. And, you know, I really like that about Alfred that on the one hand, he can say, you know, do you want to check my undercrackers? And in the next moment, he is going double O Alfred. He's going former SAS uh, in order to get to Bruce and to protect him. I really like um, just how that is always played with Alfred and it's done so well. By Sean Pertwee as well.
0: Yeah, but I do kind of understand why Bruce doesn't listen to him when he tells him not to kill anybody. Uh, you know, it's quite difficult to listen to someone that said, "Just don't kill anybody; it'll ruin your soul." And then goes, "I've slaughtered three people upstairs, uh, not uh, with with my my prowess as a gunman. I've shot a guy in the head." Um, but don't worry, Master Bruce, you are not allowed to kill. Uh, it, well, does, it, it does. I can understand that there is there is that side of it.
2: It does, but I think that comes from Alfred's experience yeah. of being in. Um, you know, an elite team of of uh, soldiers who has had to kill. He knows how much it can degrade you mm-hmm. over time, and he's trying to prevent Bruce from having that, um, you know, in, in a sense, from desensitizing him uh, to the idea of, of that killing is the answer. Yeah. Because he has done that. And, I mean, I, I think, you know, no more than back to the episode where his – his ex-colleague comes and arrives at, at Wayne Manor. Reggie, I mean, that, yeah. Reggie, yeah. That was a great, great episode. And I love those scenes in the kitchen between Reggie, Alfred, and Bruce. And I, I think that is understandable from where Alfred comes from, and that's why I think it really works.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But I love these two guys together. I love Alfred and Jim together on uh, as a team-up. But I think they're right. as as Harvey said earlier on in the season, give this guy a badge, get him him a reason, or at least cover for the fact that he kills a lot of people within Gotham. At least he's doing it with a badge behind him, uh, if he gets that.
2: Well, (laughs) well, certainly money does um, mean that consequences are generally removed from your actions, which we see with Alfred and Bruce. Um, So, I I kind of was like, um, where Jim, after he has killed Ra's al Ghul, yeah, Ra's al Ghul is a bad person and yes it's in a heightened reality Mm -hmm. uh, or an exaggerated reality but it's kind of like oh don't worry about it kid you know pat on the back um you'll never do it again i know that i can feel that in you so we won't go through the court case or the you know the sort of suspended prison sentence and community service yeah Thing.
0: off you go. Well, I do like the way that Jim says to him, I don't really know what I saw there. (laughs) Did you kill him or not? There seems to be a rotting rotting corpse over there that's been dead a thousand years, seems to be sitting over there. So, did you kill him? Do we have to prosecute you for that? How would we make this stand up in court?
2: Well, that's true.
0: But... Uh, but yes some cool scenes in there with uh, with that and probably my favorite section of the episode um on to our case note number four Sophia Falcone and the Falcone name yes um is offering
2: to merge with Oswald in a Falcone bird kind of way um yes a falcon bird in fact um I thought you'd mispronounced that, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yes, is offering a merger with Oswald to get all of Gotham under his control so they can move from his 84% um, licensing of Gotham and control of crime up to the magical 100%. Yeah. Um, And, again, it's it's this great kind of interplay between these two. You know, they are Mm. both uh, looking at one another being very wary of one another in particular Oswald I think he senses you know he's got a good gut not only for um, Hungarian goulash <laughs> but he has a good sense of what's a bit suspicious really and I, I think you know he certainly is viewing Sofia Falcone with, with a bit of suspicion here, to the point here where he has her down on a to-do list to, to kill. I think it's position uh, four um, that he has, and asks Mr. Penn to put a question mark by her name. I did like
0: that. That was really good.
2: So, you know, it, it, and it, it, he's trying to figure it out whether she's genuine, um, and we see here Sophia really manipulating, I mean, it was slightly on the nose, I think, but uh, manipulating um, his love for his mother uh, and for her food uh, and, and for everything that, you know, she meant to him uh, in order to try and get some kind of foot in the door.
0: Well, absolutely. Like, even Oswald knows the way to a man's heart is through his belly, you know? it's That's the way you get a guy to do what you want, is to feed him the best food. He tried that with Ed uh, last season, so he definitely knows it I and mean, he's instantly suspicious of this idea for, from Sophia. Uh, and, obviously, the fact that she's cooked up his mother's famous goulash recipe, uh, he realises that this, that she's trying to manipulate him here. But what's the game? You know, what's the game in here? She's already in a relationship with Jim. She's not trying to get into a relationship with Oswald. She's trying to play his love for his mother to get under his skin, right? That's the whole thing here.
2: Definitely. And I do think that with the significant other interest in Oswald's life, you know, the companionship, the love between him and Ed, mm. and he most definitely put down the marker that you know, the the Edsicle was going to be a reminder of him not to let his feelings um, influence or or betray his goal of becoming the kingpin, the kingmaker of of Gotham. So Mm -hmm. I do wonder whether in this Sophia has hugely miscalculated um, what she's doing because she is unaware of the Ed Oswald arc that we saw there in season three, you know, and that she is playing through his mother, which is just going to make him angry when he realises that it's a double uh, a double cross, you know? Yeah,
0: yeah. I did like most of these scenes uh, with Sophia and Oswald. That foot massage scene, yeah, okay, I get the foot massage. I think that worked quite well. But I think it was just that little line of Oswald going to her while my mother would have hummed when she was doing it. It just felt really out of place, even in this show, which has which does this kind of humor on top of serious topics uh, a lot. i just felt that line was just just pushed it a little bit into unbelievable territory like as in there's no way the character would say this to her um, in the in this moment but uh, but yeah really like this idea that uh, sophia's trying to play him uh, and by by holding out the Falcone name as as a way to get him to get even more power in gotham uh, another great way to manipulate penguin is to show him that there's more power available than he has
2: Absolutely. And of course, on to case note five then, um, we have Cherry's Fight Club.
0: Yeah, I did kind of mention Cherry's Fight Club earlier on, but there's one big point that we did not mention in Cherry's Fight Club. The return of Leslie Tompkins with her own non-connected to Jim Gordon storyline. Absolutely. The Doctor is
2: in the house and she is doing um, backstreet. Doctoring and mm-hmm. surgery for uh, Cherry's Fight Club. Yeah, this was really um, this was a real surprise for me actually to see the doctor here. Yeah. Um, and I'm really interested and intrigued to see how um, bondage Leslie is going to to play out here. I certainly. Um, I would say the blood just simply wipes off that outfit, um, to be honest. (laughs) And I really want to see what they do here. I hope it stays disconnected with Jim for as long as possible. Mm. And maybe at the moment, you know, there is this kind of hint in Gotham that we've kind of got this sort of kooky outcast kind of clan of Ed, Solomon Grundy, and now Leslie, mm-hmm. uh, in this kind of underground fight club here, uh, that maybe they have gone truly underground. You know, it keeps them away from Oswald, who is still up there in, in the spotlight, you know? Yeah. So I, I I like this idea here, and it'll be interesting to see um what twists and turns uh, that this takes, really.
0: Yeah, yeah. I see Leslie's also kept her touch virus-induced Haircut and, uh, and style, it's quite cool. Uh, very interesting, again, we talked about earlier on about Ed and uh, Solomon Grundy's relationship that they had a really bad relationship before uh, and Ed's trying to change that now saying, we were the best of friends. Um, interesting, Leslie and Ed also had an absolutely awful relationship before. Remember, she did work with them and has had some really bad run-ins with them in the past. Yes, yeah, certainly Will, with
2: Christine Kringle yeah. um, as well. That was the moment where... She really um, split from from Ed Nigma. Definitely. Yeah. So
0: the big question is: is that all behind her now that we have a very different Leslie Tompkins? Will she help out Ed uh, because she knows him? Will there be this big change in Leslie? But really interesting to see what happens. That is with
2: true. That's an uh, an interesting sort of spin on on how they will both sort of uh, bounce off one another mm-hmm. uh, at cherries.
0: Yeah, John Gotham moment of the week. What's the big moment of the week that you you think stood out to you in this episode?
2: For me, I think the thing that really stood out as the moment of the week was Bruce and, and Rachel Gould down at um, in in the Undercroft of Blackgate, and and in particular then that you know we also had undercrackers as well. <laughs> so it, it, I just thought it was a really intense and a really interesting and powerful scene between Bruce. Um, and Rachel Gould. Uh, and I love the fact that, you know, there's more of this to come to see how it all sort of flows and pans out. And that it, the hub of this is all coming from the lingering memory uh, of Alex being murdered yeah. and, and how Bruce. Is feeling those repercussions within his own kind of moral uh, and value centre. I yeah. think that's really, really interesting. I loved
0: it. They're listening to you. That's what you said last week. That you wanted to make sure that there was a ripple effect to the death of, of a character like Alex in the show.
2: Definitely, and I, I, and of course from Undercroft to Undercrackers, <laughs> um, you know that was just to me so so funny. Along with the jaw drop from um, the skeleton. Yes, classic uh, mix of intense serious with out-and-out out hilarity, uh, really, really good. Yeah,
0: yeah, definitely. Uh, for me, it has to be the arrival of Solomon Grundy. I love when we get these kind of moments that are taken from comic book pages. You can actually put the image of Solomon Grundy side-by-side side to Drew Pell's Solomon Grundy uh, from the comic books, and they they look so similar. They've done a great job of this creation from Slaughter Swamp. Um, he's also my character of the week, really, but just a special, definitely. a special shout-out to The Pharmacist, when Ed is trying to get some pills um, to cure <laughs> yeah. his cure his brain problems. Uh, I just really like this kind of character that you have who generally wouldn't need to get many lines. You know, he's just a kind of a background player. But as we've mentioned in the last couple of episodes, some of the background players get some of the great moments. Uh, the stabbing N- Nigma with the letter spike, the spike that you use for putting bills or receipts on, uh, stabbing N- Nigma through the hand, and then realising that Ed's holding up with a fake gun and throws the gun at him and goes, I'm going to go off and call the police now.
2: Definitely. <laughs> Uh, You know, he has been outsmarted by the pharmacist. It's just a great little uh, twist on on how far
0: Ed has fallen. Definitely. Mm -hmm. Um, Really, really liked it. Yes, may there be many more trips to the pharmacy in the future. Uh, John, overall, what did you think of this episode?
2: I thought it was really, really good. It's keeping up the solid start to this season. Uh, I would definitely... Give this four undercrackers out of five, <laughs> um, with maybe a cherry on top as well. Oh, nice. You know, I think uh, it, it, to see Solomon Grundy born uh, there on a Monday um, whilst watching it on Thursday was really, really good. And <laughs> um, I'm really pleased that Butch Gilzean has been resurrected in this way. I'm really pleased for Drew Powell. Um, you know, he's been such a good supporter of um, our podcast. Mm-hmm. Uh, very willing to do. Interviews, so I'm absolutely delighted for him that um, his real this moment in Gotham is continuing for him from uh, season one. Really, really pleased for him. I love seeing um, Leslie Tompkins come back in a most unexpected way, Mm -hmm. and I really thought that the ripples of Alex's death permeating into um, Bruce. Affecting his relationship with Alfred, uh, being manipulated by Rachel Gaul, and that whole standoff at the end—really, uh, really quite excellent. Like, I really enjoyed that, and, and certainly to know what he has um, transferred into Barbara Keane will be really interesting. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, life, life force, or has he just given? Uh, her, some kind of tropical disease. Um, <laughs> and it yeah. was
0: through glass, so hopefully not. Hopefully, hopefully not. not, absolutely. Um, yeah, I know what you mean. This is one of those episodes that could easily have just been a throwaway setup episode for things happening in the future. So many questions and so, many, so much setup for what's going on in future episodes. But by having things like uh, Rachel Ghul in there um, and Bruce attacking him. And by having the arrival of Solomon Grundy, it just kind of raised it above a kind of a three and a half, a kind of a, a middling episode. It raised it above that kind of level. And it's not the best episode of the season so far, definitely. Bush, um, but it's definitely got some very special scenes and I really, really enjoyed it overall. Yeah, definitely. I think it's time to get into a bit of feedback.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, of course, anyone who wants to leave feedback, you can leave voicemail over at our website on gothamtvpodcast.com, just like Annalise has done uh, for us. You can leave up to 90 seconds of of feedback. And I think with that, it's over to Annalise's uh, voicemail.
1: I have so many questions after this episode. Like, it was so good. But the main one I have is, is Raz... Al Ghul actually dead, because I'm hoping not, since Alexander Siddig did such a good job. I don't want to see him go. Um I also want to know what Sophia Falcone's angle is on this whole thing, because I was kind of upset that she went as far as to have the restaurant make Gertrude's goulash, and... Can we just say how cute and adorable Solomon Grundy is? I mean, I know he doesn't know who he is, but I also just love his and Ed's interactions. Um, They're kind of my new favorite little odd friendship on the whole show. And if I had to say minor character of this whole episode, I'd have to say the random pharmacist that Ed kind of takes hostage while he's looking for pills because, yeah, he's actually kind of cool as uh, despite stabbing Ed in the hand.
2: Thank you so much, Annalise. Yeah, absolutely. I am loving the oddball couple uh, of Ed Nigma and Solomon Grundy. Really uh, just fantastic, kooky um, pair-up, really. Um, and I really want to see how they get ever more kooky uh, and um weird it'll be it'll almost be a shame when ed gets his intellect uh back and is able to riddle again because i suspect he won't hang around too much um with solomon grundy unless he definitely uses him for muscle mm. like we saw uh, a bit in this episode yeah definitely the pharmacist um such a great bit of um, sort of sarcastic comedy really from him where he's just kind of like going you're just the worst kind of um robber here uh, these aren't even pills that will make your intellect any better. They're just sugar pills yeah that was just just a nice witty bit of comedy uh, in in the writing from 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 uh, the Gotham writers. and of course yeah I think really Solomon Grundy just how he was born and brought to life really good. I suspect Rachel Gould will come and return back to Gotham.
0: Yeah, thanks so much for that voicemail, Emily. It's really good of you to send in. I can tell how excited you were because we also got an email from you. Yeah, uh, Emily says, "I think what I said in my voicemail are still my thoughts about this episode, but I adore Grundy and Ed together more than I thought I would. I am wondering how Lee will fit into this, as as it's been teased, they will be the new odd trio of Gotham." Very interesting. Yeah, I'm wondering can she put her past behind her. Uh, Annalise goes on to say Sophia Twain with Oswald's emotions making his mother's goulash almost made me cry. Then angry as I really loved Gertrude and don't like her don't like seeing her used as a pawn. The bit about putting warmth on the ankle, I'll have to research because as a physiotherapist was sitting there wondering if this is the correct modality to use. Interesting. Yeah, she seemed to diagnose his uh, his ankle problem very quickly, didn't she? She certainly did. And says, not that I dislike Cherry, but I find her character design so close to Jerry's visually that I'm left longing for our favourite punk rocker to return. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah. Uh, Laurie Petty from uh, last season. Um, but I'm not sure whether she'd run a fight club. Um, she's, she was a punk singer in, in last season. It would have been cool to get Laurie Petty back, though. Uh, I do like when they reuse characters. But interested to see. I think we'll see more of Cherry next week and, and make a bit more of a decision. She only got a couple of lines in this episode. So, uh, so we'll see a bit more of it next week when the, when the fight club truly kicks off. Annalise says, lastly, about this episode, Alfred's arsenal of hidden weapons had me in a fit of giggles, especially when he added the bit about searching his undercrackers. Yeah, much like ourselves. Definitely. Couldn't stop laughing about that. Uh, Annalise has a little bit of feedback about Gotham GothamCon, but I think we'll come to that after the feedback about the episode. Is that okay with you, John? Yeah, Absolutely. Yeah, just because we got quite a bit of feedback about this episode. We also got an email in from Kat. Um, Kat says, I figured I would give this review thing a go, so let's see how we do. I actually started Gotham just a month ago. I saw the premiere they had at Wizard World, but wasn't really that engaged with. Batman is one of the things I hold closest to my heart. Watching the animated show at my dad every Saturday was one of my fondest childhood memories. Not only that, but I'm nervous about getting into new shows because they suck me in and don't let me go, which of course is exactly what happened with Gotham. I started up because my boyfriend was watching it, and when I saw Enigma, riddle it up in How the Riddler Got His Name, I knew I had to watch it. Five almost sleepless nights later, and I'd watch the whole show. I'm hooked.
2: Wow, yeah,
0: absolutely.
2: It's a great show for for really getting into it. Certainly, there's so many iconic characters, and you just really get to see how they develop uh, and and play out. Um, It's really good, and certainly with the Riddler, one of my favourites, and How the Riddler Got His Name. Excellent to see uh,
0: that in, in Gotham. I could totally see how that could hook you in. Uh, Katka's on to say. Anyways, let's get to last night's episode. It's been hard having to wait each week for the next episode after binge watching three seasons, and this episode is not making it any easier. Start with Bruce's storyline. That was not how I expected this to go down. Rachel Gould being one of the strongest forces against Batman in both show and comic, it came as quite a shock for him to end his life by Bruce's hand. My gut, given how things like this have gone down before in the past, Uh, I still have my doubts that he's gone for good, but I feel quite certain we won't see him again in Gotham. That being said, I enjoy how his death would help Bruce Wayne shape himself into the Batman we know and love. He was rushing into his vigilanteism, and what I felt was too soon, and this powerful moment that forces him to realise he is not mature enough from an emotional standpoint adequately puts a pause on this. I'm excited to see how they develop Bruce's storyline from this point on. I hope to see him grow more in his ability to act in his detective work.
2: Absolutely. Because, of course, one thing that um, we've got to mention earlier was Alfred puts the vigilante suit away, but keeps it, prevents um, Bruce from throwing it on the fire yeah. at Wayne Manor to say that, you know, when you're ready, it's there uh, for you to go back to. Because obviously, Bruce is taking time out uh, from his vigilanteism, as you say, because he's realized how um, emotionally underdeveloped he is to be able to deal with and again I think that's the great thing about Alex's murder at the hands of Rachel Gould. it's really um, impacted on Bruce and and what he's doing and I I think that makes it absolutely cool that it has that much force to be honest yeah
0: yeah yeah and also a really good idea not to burn a rubber-based suit in a fire in a study with no windows that are open although Cat does seem to get in and out of those windows.
2: Absolutely. She's a a little cat thief.
0: (laughs) Uh, Cat goes on to say, when it comes to Penguin, like most everyone else, Sophia is putting a needle in my side. She certainly is doing what she promised, finding the one way to undermine Penguin, which is, of course, through his mother. But boy, is it painful to watch. I know Penguin is a bad guy, but Robin's performance does really get you to root for him. I think it's clear Sophia isn't trying to romance him in a sexual way, but in a maternal way. Tapping into his biggest vulnerability that even he has to admit to, his mother. I'm interested to see where they take this. Even Penguin says it's obvious what she's trying to do, and then he succumbs to it. So many times he has said he's going to cut himself off from his emotions, yet here he is again, starting to fall for them. As much as it is painful to watch, I hope they develop this in a way where we get to understand Penguin, his loves and motivations on a deeper level. I'm Nygmobilepot trash, so of course there is still a small part of me that's hoping these emotional revelations will somehow affect his relationship with Nigma moving forward. Here's hoping. And I have to admit, I love seeing this guy get knocked down and then scraping himself back to the top by the skin of his teeth. That does seem to be the arc of Oswald Cobblepot from the first episode of the first season. It's getting punched and thrown to the bottom of the hill and then climbing and clawing his way back up. Uh, yeah, that's a really good uh, really good point there, Kat.
2: Yeah, he's a fighter. He's a hustler, is Penguin. And, and certainly, um, yeah, it's, it'll be really interesting to see how this plays out. I still am of the opinion at the moment that... That Sophia has undermined herself here, and has completely underestimated the Penguin because she's unaware of the whole Nig Mogglepot and um, angle here. That it is really um has affected the Penguin. Yeah. So I really think that there is going to be um, some big surprise, probably for Penguin to begin with, uh, and then maybe for Sophia to uh, a more damaging uh, effect. I really think that Oswald draws in his prey and then pounces. He really gets them to undermine themselves and to underestimate him in such a great way. And he's such an opportunist that he will pounce at any moment if it gives him the advantage. So I think Sophia had really better watch out here. Yeah,
0: yeah, totally agree with you. Uh, Big shout out, because we didn't mention him to his brand new, absolutely useless henchman. (laughs) I love that moment when Oswald is kind of licking his wounds after being taken in by Sophia. And she calls to the place and his henchman walks into the room and he goes, who's the one person I told you not to let into the room? And his henchman responds with, Sophia Falcone is here to see you, sir. It's like, how did she get past him? He's absolutely absolutely useless. There's one person I said not to let in, and you let her in immediately when she arrives. Kat goes on to say, And then I think to everyone's favourite part, Grundy. I was wondering how him and Ed would end up working together, and they did not disappoint. Water beats fire, I am smart. Has to be my favourite line of the episode. Not to mention it's great to see Enigma back to his manipulating ways, even if the only thing he can manipulate is a zombie. Despite his lack of intelligence, he's still most definitely the Ed Enigma we know and love, which is something I was afraid we wouldn't see again with this drastic change. At Gotham Con, Corey Michael Smith talked about how season three Riddler was very much influenced by his mentorship with Penguin, and his new growth will be influenced defined by his time spent with Grundy and Lee. I was worried we wouldn't see the cold calculating Enigma obsessed. With finding the answer but those fears have been quelled how he might get his intelligence back is beyond me though yeah i
2: would say another big bump on the head by grundy might return all those synapses to uh firing but i i think this is yeah grundy a fantastic part of this episode and um, to see him return and yeah i do i'm actually liking the struggle of the riddler i think this range of what the riddler is about is really interesting and to see his kind of main power his intellect undermined and how he's now scrapping almost um oswald like to get uh, back to where he was is really really interesting to see
0: yeah and finally on the episode cat says And then to end with two more powerful characters, Lee and Cherry. Wow, hearing Lee would be in the Narrows got me so excited because it brings us closer to where we know her from. However, I hope she gets into Bruce Wayne's circle so we can have more of a relationship with him like we saw in the comics. Next episode, as much as I mostly watch the show for Penguin Enigma, I'm most excited to see where Lee's six months have taken her and get to know Cherry better who has my cosplay attention. How awesome does she look? Yeah, I do really like the design of, of, uh, of Cherry in the episode. I really like the concept kind of taken from David Bowie, that, uh, that really striking mark across her eyes. Very cool cosplay. I'd say she'll, she'll be, uh, we'll see lots of people at cons in the future dressed up as Cherry. Definitely. And also some feedback from cat About Gotham, we're going to hold that over until a little bit later on.
2: Our next piece of feedback comes from Claire. Hello, Gotham TV podcast. Overall, another great episode. The only confusion I had was over Rachel Al Ghul and potentially losing Alexander Siddick as a cast member so soon. Anyhow, we are only five episodes in, and I'm sure we will find out why Rish passed on some sort of power to Barbara and what outcome it will have on Bruce, especially as he has put his vigilante suit to one side for the moment. Jim and Alfred were fantastic in Blackgate Prison. It just goes to show when you have knowledge and skill put together, it works really well. Thank goodness Sean Pertwee improvises some of his lines and thanks Annalise for confirming that he did on the line about checking his undercrackers. I am still laughing.
0: Absolutely (laughs) agree. I um, it was in the feedback. So, yes, yeah, and I haven't
2: seen it either. Yeah,
0: yeah, he does. Uh, he does improvise some of his lines. Apparently, all of his lines that uh, that are from this, uh, the South London Brigade is where he uh, where he throws any line he wants yeah. to in.
2: Like, I haven't seen the feedback, so it's interesting to know that. And I haven't seen his undercrackers either. <laughs> But on with the feedback. Sophia Falcone doesn't hang around. It's really interesting how she decided to use Oswald's mother's goulash recipe to stop breaking her way into his emotions. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, I always I don't want to read
0: goulash as ghoulish. Ghoulish. For, for this episode, it would have worked quite well. With it really, really would. Be.
2: And for Claire, the standout moment which didn't disappoint, was Ed and Solomon Grundy. Ed, on his own trying to find medication to help him become smart, was erratic, with a really good line which Ed says to the pharmacist, I will not be contradicted by a man in a lab coat who isn't even a doctor. (laughs) (laughs) Grundy rising from the slaughter swamp was also very well done. Everything they've decided to do to bring this character from the comic book to the screen is brilliant. How Ed and Grundy meet, and now this great team-up I don't think I can find the words to describe just how good it was. It's great to see Leslie back in the Fight Club Doctor mode and a really good, interesting new character in Cherry. Claire goes on to wish Derek a great happy birthday for his 41st birthday on the 21st day of October. (laughs) um, And of course extends her wishes of happy birthday to me as well
0: yes yes thanks so much claire It's really nice of you to send the feedback and thanks for the birthday wishes both of us are going to really enjoy our birthday. absolutely
2: and yes claire i do hope there is cake as well yes yes thank you so much claire and of course remember you can um send in feedback to feedback at gotham yeah. by email there is also our facebook group you can just head over to facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash Gotham TV podcast mm-hmm. uh, and asked to join the group with a few uh, questions to answer just to make sure that you're not a bot of course yeah
0: like the group is just for the listeners of the podcast obviously there are loads of groups out there for Gotham so uh, we just want to make sure that we have a group of people that are, that are there to discuss Gotham with us and about the podcast so uh, if you don't want to do that if you just want to see the news and see when the episodes are going up you can see us on our Facebook page over at facebook.com slash Gotham TV podcast but come and join the group we'd love to chat to you about the episodes and you can leave your feedback really easily in there uh, just like Charlotte Bain did uh, she says it was fantastic Ed and Solomon Grundy was the highlight. Two lost souls trying to figure out who they are touching. Bruce and Rachel al Ghul, powerful. Bruce is going through a lot of pain, guilt, but he had to grow up fast. What kind of power Barbara has now? Sophia is cunning. Penguin is, is being played big time. He is letting his vulnerable side show.
2: Interesting, yeah. I think um, it's still too early to say for me whether Penguin is being played, I think, but I don't know. Um, Maybe you're right uh, and maybe I'm wrong, but I just have this sneaky suspicion that Sophia may have overplayed her cards here. Mm -hmm. um, I'm hoping maybe not. So, yeah, Penguin falls again and maybe finds Ed in the narrows and they have to really team up. Who knows how it will play out. Uh, Jason Wiley says... Hello, happy Grundies. What a charming yet ominous episode, filled with much cheer and a few tears. Loved the introduction of Grundy and the camp nature of his interactions with Ed. They're like Han and Chewie, a friendship which we never wanted, but somehow always needed. Sophia definitely has an agenda buttering up Penguin and will probably be luring him in with the whole motherly thing. I don't think this is the last of Raish al Ghul that we'll see. And what did he pass on to Babs? Was that his soul? Will Bruce be cursed now? Who knows? Looks like Leslie will be working the underworld now to atone for her guilt and just keep her away from Jim now. No more teen drama, please, says Jason. And finally... Anyway, a wonderful episode, and there should be a Ed and Grundy show with both embarking on a new adventure every week. Now, that would be a Gotham spin-off I would
0: love to see. I love it. I love it. Really cool. Interesting little point there, Jason. Um, has Bruce been cursed now? I do like the fact they did call out that he's got a bit of the translation that was able to be done by the Professor in the last episode. Did he get all of the translation? Is it something like, if you use this knife on Rachel al Ghul to kill him, you will then be cursed for the future? Interesting. We'll definitely find out that in a future episode.
2: Yeah, that would be awesome to see uh, whether um, Bruce has been cursed, definitely. And whether Babs has uh, Ra's soul.
0: Hmm. Very yeah. interesting. Shania Williams says, "I greatly enjoyed the episode. A lot going on in this episode. Bruce fighting with himself over killing Rachel Ghoul or keeping the promise to never kill. Sophia messing with Penguin by using his mother to connect with him, just so she can get to him. Grundy made his big debut. The relationship he's gaining with Nigma, not knowing that they don't like each other at all and aren't friends. Gordon blaming Alfred for not keeping Bruce on a leash." When, come on, can you really get through to a teenager these days? (laughs) Good point, Shania. (laughs) Uh, And we have another bit of feedback from Chris Agee over on our Facebook group. Uh, Slightly different opinion, but we always love some differing opinions. Uh, Chris says, OK, let me try to get my thoughts in the post. Unfortunately, I consider this one of the weaker episodes of Gotham. The ideas were good, and I am intrigued about story arcs. Babs and her gift from Raish, Solomon Grundy, and the Sophia Penguin thing, which I especially like. And there were great scenes, especially as always with Bruce and Alfred and Bruce and Raish. But in the whole, it felt too incoherent and cramped for me to really enjoy with the three completely different storylines without any connection in the episode. I usually like it better when there's connections and links between the storylines. I don't want Raish to die so soon because I thought Alexander Siddick did a really great job as Raish and I hope for him to be around to at least the mid-season finale.
2: Yeah, thank you, Chris. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think some really interesting arcs going on here, and, and certainly, you know, Gotham has to always balance and tread a fine line uh, with regards to the the amount of stories that go on in each episode. It's such an ensemble kind of. Series in terms of its week to week episodes, Mm -hmm. that I really can see that, you know, sometimes there is a danger of too much happening in in one episode. For me, I think they generally get the balance just about right. Mm -hmm. And I've certainly enjoyed the ensemble um, episodes a lot more, I think, than. Where we've had just a single story arc, and um, such as prisoners, as we've discussed on the podcast, yeah, um, it just it felt really strange. I think the the vibrancy and diversity of Gotham and its characters kind of lends itself to to this kind of ensemble and um, intermixing and mixing between uh, the different people and places. But certainly, um, yeah, it really um, has to be worried that it doesn't push out and cramp in um, these different storylines. I think on the whole, they really um, do a good job of that. But certainly, yeah, it's an interesting point, definitely.
0: Yeah, we were having a bit of a chat earlier on in the week about the other DC TV shows, the ones by Greg Berlanti over over on CW, and we were just kind of talking about the fact that the big difference between those shows and Gotham is that when the main characters like Arrow and Flash and supergirl or the legends of tomorrow when they're not on screen any other character is talking about those main characters it seems like every single storyline for 80 odd episodes for arrow and 60 odd episodes for flash Every episode is revolving just around that main character, whereas Gotham does seem to feel like it is the city of Gotham full of characters who are doing other things. So, I personally, I really like having characters like Bruce going on his own, own adventure and then seeing Ed go on a different adventure Definitely. and Penguin go on a different adventure. I, I think it differentiates this show with the WB shows, particularly because they're all set in the... DC Universe or from DC Comics, so it's nice to see something a little bit different in that way.
2: Absolutely. I mean, Penguin, Enigma, Butch, Fish, like they don't need to um, be involved with Bruce Wayne, mm-hmm. whereas I think, yeah, as you say, with The Arrow, with Flash, uh, with Supergirl, it's all the supporting characters all have to, in some way, be involved with the main title character, um, and, and without them there, that they really have Minimal development, and um, the development comes from their interaction with the title character, mm-hmm. and so yeah, Gotham does it in a different way, and that is to allow Ed's character to develop independently of Bruce or of yeah. Jim Gordon, um, and but they connect occasionally from time to time in different story arcs or, or um, runs, definitely.
0: Yeah. Yeah, but thanks so much for the feedback, David. Again, if you want to join our Facebook group, don't go to Facebook.com slash groups slash Gotham Tv Podcast or email us at feedback at Gotham with your thoughts. I think it's time to talk about Gotham Con, John, if that's okay. Absolutely. So Gotham Con, this was the first convention from Creation Entertainment specifically dealing with the Gotham cast. Uh, I know they'd originally planned to do one in New York or New Jersey uh, but it was very close to New York Comic Con which is effectively the home of Gotham every year. It's where they go to reveal an episode of the season and have a really big panel. I think this year they had 13 members of the Gotham cast there. So so they set up this first con con in Chicago. Interesting choice. It would have been great to go. I think it's really cool to have this idea of the cast there just specifically with fans of the show.
2: Yeah, definitely. I think it would have been an excellent uh, con to go to. It was a shame we couldn't. We were invited, but it would have been great. Uh, but we um, have uh, a number of people on our Facebook group who went along, one of them being Annalise. Um, and she goes, The basics were that this con in Chicago last weekend reminded me of Star Fury, which is another um, fan convention over in the UK. Um, and in a sense, that it is small and intimate as a convention. I went along to the con not knowing anyone that well, and left knowing almost every attendee, and even adding some to my extended Gotham family. There were only three vendors, not including the con Merc, uh, but boy did they have Gotham merchandise. The cosplayers definitely showed up to this con. What I loved the most about the con uh, was that. Each guest got a Q&A panel devoted to them, not a big cast panel like the other cons I've attended. For some guests like James Frain or James Mario Falcone, it was hard to fill their time and I felt a little bit bad for them as the Q&A lines weren't long. But the Robin and Corys were so full they didn't get to all of their questions. Drew and Maggie were not able to say much about the future of their characters in either of their panels. Maggie did say that we will have to wait a while to see her character return. Episode 12, I believe.
0: Ooh, that's a long time. Especially it is. because she's just downed all of those pills and drugs. Yeah, but um, well, she last, needs to time. take root, you see. She does. <laughs> uh,
2: James Frayne shared that when he saw he was killing Jerome, he asked the writers if they were sure they wanted him to do it because he wouldn't recover in the fandom from it. James also loved that there was um, an Asriel cosplayer on the con and even pulled the cosplayer on stage on Sunday asking the cosplayer to give the audience a twirl. (laughs) Uh, Sean teased that he will be getting uh, to peek into Alfred's past this season and just to see the type of person he was before and how he came to meet the Waynes, episode 9 and possibly 12, Oh, very cool. Which is very cool, yeah. Um, He also was asked if he would get a GCPD badge and he smiled, adding that... We'd have to wait and see. He also was asked about his use of Londonisms and he said that it was appreciative of the Gotham staff that they let him add his own wording to the scripts. (laughs) He actually mentioned the undercrackers bit that we heard in in this episode. Cameron also seconded this in her panel that Sean says something and the rest of the cast stares at him like, what did you just say? <laughs>
0: <laughs> I love it. Brilliant. Thanks so much for that Annalise. Sounds like you had a great time. Hopefully we can attend the Gotham Con in future.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Thank you Annalise for that report.
0: Cass was also at the Gotham Convention and she says, this is the first smaller con I've been to. I found it by accident because I was curious what cons Gotham stars go to. And then bam, there was this con. In two weeks, 20 minutes from my house. How lucky am I? I go to Wizard World Chicago and C2E2 every year, so I had no idea what to what to expect. I was also really scared it would be dead. One, because I wanted to make friends and have fun. And two, I really wanted this to be a recurring thing so I can go back another year when I'm flush with cash. I was beyond surprised. Although the comp was very small, it was fun as all hell. It was so intimate. I made amazing new friends and the time with the stars was fantastic. They really allowed for the most intimate experience with your favourite show. I had so many incredible moments with both friends and stars alike. I'm sure you've heard everything about the panels and Q&As, but I don't want to go on rambling. I need to send my feedback to Creation Entertainment so this will happen again next year. All the best. Thanks so much for that, Kat. Yeah, we're really hoping that it's going to happen again. And to be honest, I'm really hoping that they're going to have one in a different city, possibly, and a bit sooner than next year. This may not have to be in Chicago next October. Hopefully we'll get one Maybe sooner in New York.
2: Yeah, but I don't think Cat would agree with you. It's on a doorstep. Why not? That's true, yeah. yeah I hope it's in <laughs>
0: Chicago. I don't know Chicago,
2: so I'd love to go mm-hmm. uh, there. I've only um, passed through it uh, through
0: the airport. That's true, yeah, me too. Me too, I've never seen So never to Russia go State. to the Windy City would be uh, really good. Yeah, that'd be cool. Thanks so much again to everybody for the feedback, especially about GothamCon. It's cool to have people sending in feedback to us about an event that we haven't been to. It does sound like great fun, and hopefully we can be there in the future.
2: Definitely. But I think with that, we are coming to a close of this podcast. Mm -hmm. So it is for me to remind you to share the love uh, and to uh, spread the word about Gotham TV Podcast. Please, if you haven't already, subscribe to the podcast. You just go over to any iTunes or Android podcast catcher. You can go through our website at GothamTVPodcast.com and subscribe to the podcast. And if you are feeling generous, please leave a review all feedback helps and allows us to connect with our audience Absolutely. in the best way that we can we have our Facebook group at facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash Gotham TV podcast and of course we live tweet on at Gotham TV podcast although we won't be able to do it um, for for this week because uh, it's your birthday it's my birthday yes. and I'm turning 40 <laughs> and we're we're heading back to Ireland for a long Halloween weekend.
0: Absolutely. But join us when we come back with our review of the next episode, season four, episode six of Gotham. My favourite name so far this season, Hog Day Afternoon, uh, that airs on the 26th of October. Uh, Hog Day Afternoon is obviously a reference to Dog Day Afternoon, the uh, 70s movie. A nice little call out there. And it's going to have... An interesting character that we've been talking about since season one of the show, John.
2: Absolutely. Professor Pig.
0: Yeah, there's been an absence of professors since we lost Professor Strange uh, at the end of last season. So we have a new professor in town.
2: Yes, Professor Pig. Uh, Will he be turned into sausages? Will the choicest of cuts be extracted from his body? Or will he terrorise Gotham? Or will it all end in a... Bountiful hog roast uh, <laughs> following his capture. I cannot wait to see what they do with this character. Mm-hmm. Certainly the one image I've seen from USA Today, uh, which we put up on our Facebook group, and um, showing him with Jim Gordon. I am loving the mask. Absolutely creepy oh, yeah. and disturbing as hell. It looks just about right for me. I think it's a really good design.
0: It's going to be and, a good way to spend yeah, Halloween, really.
2: Absolutely. Absolutely. So that's all from me. Uh, Thank you, as always, for uh, listening. And we will, of course, speak with you again next
0: time. Really have to resist the urge to say, and that's all from him. Thanks so much for joining us. We'll talk to you again next time. Bye. Bye.
1: This is Victoria Cartagena. I play Renee Montoya on Gotham.
2: Hey, this is Andrew Stewart-Jones. I play Chris Allen on Gotham. This is Robin Lloyd-Taylor. I'm
1: David Mazouz. Hey, Gotham TV podcast listeners. This is Maggie Gia, otherwise known as Poison Ivy. This is Drew Powell, and you're listening to Gotham TV
0: podcast. Yes, the man with more names than anybody else in Gotham has got a new name. It takes us on to our first case note, Rest in Peach.
2: <laughs> yes, Rest in <laughs> Peaches. is... Um, Butch Gilzean, uh, that would be both tasty and yummy.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, uh, rest in peace, Butch Gilzean.